the UK shows were always my favorite, you know? People would go off. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to Sapnin Podcast. Sapnin! Sapnin! You're listening to episode 122 of Sapnin Podcast with myself, Sean Smith, and my good friend and co-host, Morgan Richards. Yes, it's me, Morgan Richards. And as you can probably imagine, I'm not O-fucking-K. But I am alive, full of adrenaline, for this dope conversation. I see what you've done there. I see what you've done. You've used multiple songs over multiple things. But yeah, uh, yeah. yeah this week's uh, this week's podcast is absolutely fucking unbelievable mm-hmm. uh, because it features uh, Mikey Way and David Debiak of the Fantastic Electric Century, amongst other bands. Yes, and oh my God, I'm so excited for this. Electric Century, the passion project from two of Alternative Music's biggest influences, Mikey Way of My Chemical Romance and David Debiak of Sleep Station, are back with a whole new record, graphic novel, an entire world of concepts, characters, and art for you to explore. And let's be honest, having any of these gentlemen on individually is a huge deal. Their careers speak for themselves. There's so much history between them, but having them on together is really unique. It's rare that any of them do interviews or press as it is, but we've told that this is the first time they've ever done anything like this together, and you're going to hear them discuss and learn a lot of things that they've never spoken about to each other, nevertheless the world. There's a lot of trust being given to us with this, and I'm extremely proud, excited, and close to tears fangirling that we're able to sit down with them and tell the story of Electric Century. Yes, exclusive. <laughs> exclusive. Over on Sapling Podcast. Yes, uh, yeah, we can get over it. Um, yeah, we had a message from Hayley Connolly saying, do you fancy doing Electric Century? And we jumped at the chance. And what, what a bloody great chat this is. Like I've said in previous episodes, I often imagine most people have forgotten what my face looks like because it's just plain like a man's thigh, right? So the fact that we got to hang out with Mikey and he remembered and he was cool and yeah, we had such a, such a great chat and it was lovely to see 
David and Mikey interact and talk about things on the record that they hadn't previously talked about together as well. It was just it was just amazing. Like we t- we talked about everything from the Electric Century records to some of their favorite times in other bands and stuff and massive moments for them and massive moments for us as well with them so yeah what an absolutely amazing chat thanks again to Ailey Connolly thank you very much to Mikey Way thank you very much to David Debiak yeah unbelievable what a fucking great I left this podcast absolutely beaming same it's powered me yeah. it's powered me for a few days since let's just say that <laughs> just gonna get that energy and I hope a lot of the listeners do too but yeah just two very beautiful and wholesome human beings um, I'm excited for everyone to hear this and as you mentioned Sean we talk about everything from their new self-titled second record to creating the graphic novel their 80s new wave influence and personal struggles working with MCR family Ray Toro as a producer looking back at moments from their separate journeys the famous New Jersey music scene and obviously we had to get Mikey's take on Sean's famous Brian May at Reading story yeah that was um (laughs) yeah that was that was wild but yeah thank you very much again to both of those guys we enjoyed it um and i know that those boys enjoyed it because Mm. we heard back off ailey saying yeah mikey dm me on instagram saying he enjoyed it so honest he did enjoy it Um, (laughs) i'm not just saying the word enjoy constantly but yeah this this is fucking one of my favorite chats that we've done for a while and uh, we've done loads of favorite chats so <laughs> yeah this is um yeah this was really really um lovely and i enjoyed it very yeah. very much do you know what this makes me feel like though you know that paul rudd meme of him just being like hey look at us look. yeah who who the thought? Who were the thought? Not me. Not me. <laughs> not me. Look at us. Not me. Yeah. It's mad, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, uh. if we just creeping ever closer to uh, a big interview but yeah it was um it was awesome to see mikey again lovely to meet david what a lovely lovely chap and um yeah thank you very much to the boys for speaking to us and thank you for the music over the years again yes they're gonna get bored of hearing me say that I think. yes but, but yeah, yeah but before we get into things just very quickly um if you enjoy this podcast and you like our rambles or you've listened to us before we'd very much appreciate you if you could go and check out our patreon page patreon.com forward slash sapnin over there you can help us keep making these podcasts each and every week every friday we release one we've done it for 120 22 weeks in a row that is absolutely insane Uh, so if you'd like to help us do that meet a community of incredible people that will become your best friends and get some extra bonuses from us including Q&A sessions extra podcasts and just those mad rambles please head over to patreon.com forward slash sapname obviously times are hard with everything going on so if you can't do that just give us a follow on our social media pages at sapnimpod Yes, on Twitter and Instagram, at SaplinPod, at S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D, like the new metal band, but without the dreads, that's at SaplinPod, at S-A-P-P-E-N-I-N-P-O-D. And yeah, like Morgan said, if you've listened to two or more episodes of this and enjoyed it and have chuckled at all, please think about supporting the lads. Get involved over our Patreon, please. Literally, as a major supermarket chain says, every little helps. 
and I can't believe we've been going 122 weeks. That's mental. <laughs> if you had told me when we started this, we're going to do this 122 weeks in a row, I'd go, ha, surely not. I'll be dead by then. But no, here we are, still going, still bringing fantastically brilliant, funny, heartfelt content to the world. So yes, if um, you've listened to three or more episodes, please think about getting involved with the Patreon um, because you owe us at yeah. least that, you bugger. <laughs> well, Sorry, I've gone mad. I've well, gone well mad. said, well said, Sean. But without any further ado, this is the wonderful Mikey and Dave from Electric Century right here on Sapman Podcast. Who were the fucking thought? No me, no me. Sapman, Sapman, Sapman. Oh, I have gone proper mad now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Sapnin! 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 Yes! Yes! (laughs) This week's guests are David and Mikey from the fantastic Electric Century. How are you guys? Oh, so good. Thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. This is awesome! Wow, Dave, I haven't seen you in I haven't seen you in a I very know, long time. We don't <laughs> we don't see each other. I don't see you. Yeah, I don't see you. It's good to see you, buddy. Yeah, this, you I tell you good. what. Yeah, you two just carry on with band stuff. <laughs> we, we, we'll wait for a bit, and then on, we just get it towards the end. But um, yeah, thank you, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for giving us your time. And um, yes, I've I've already mentioned it to David, Mikey, but. Um, congratulations on this new record yeah thank you thank you it's it feels good to have it out you know it's something we've been working on it for many years so it's good to 
finally let people experience it and digest it. There's been things that have kind of held it back, you know, like the world, the world, you know, the world kind of <laughs> held it back at times. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's good to finally get something you work so hard on out and, and have people be able to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's so much we want to touch on with this new record and everything, but, um, before we do just to start, how are the two of you doing with everything lately? How's the kind of last 12 months being in this very weird, isolated pandemic world? How have you guys been keeping with everything? (laughs) I I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to jump on Dave. I thought he was going to start, but no, um, I mean, here's the score. Is it what anybody wanted? No. You know, where there are ups and downs for everybody, yes. But I feel like the silver lining is we were all given a lot of family time. You know, for me, I have two amazing little girls that I was able to spend a lot of time with and see a lot of milestones. You know, lots of family, you know, my beautiful wife. You know, able to spend time that, that I didn't, I wasn't going to have. I was supposed to be on the road. So that's that's pretty much, that's been the past year of my life, you know. Just lots of family time. Seeing the outdoors, you know, the there's safe things to do outdoors. Yeah. Just that's, that's pretty much, that's been the main thing that I've been enjoying, you know, just like uh, that, maybe like revisiting some old hobbies, reading a lot, playing some video games, nice. playing a lot of bass, playing a lot of guitar. Um, nice. What games have yeah, you been trying to, trying to, what games have you been playing? What games have, I've been playing demon souls for uh PS five. Nice. You know, the game. Yeah, 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 yeah it's brutal hard um yeah i've been playing i've been playing that um but i started the new stephen king called later it's amazing so did uh, i on his recommendation <laughs> i'm a couple chapters yeah. behind but we have kind of like an ec book club going now yeah oh wow we, have, we started a book yeah <laughs> that's nice is that something that you you should maybe do that for the fans and like you all, <laughs> you guys should all read the same things at the same time and stuff that's Oh, I wonder if you could work that into another cycle. Anyway, yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking. Well, that's the thing. Like this, this record's like um, like a conceptual base, right? So, yeah. So I was I was already thinking right next record. If you all somehow could read the same, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dave. Dave didn't tell us. Sorry. Dave didn't tell us. Yeah, what, Dave. What he's oh, been up to? Fill us in. Yeah. The uh, the pandemic has been, you know extremely it was when it started was extremely tough on me Mm. um i had a lot of ups and downs um more downs than ups but as the months have gone on i've learned to kind of just like find my footing you know yeah um for a while there all i did was send mikey demos i was like writing like crazy and then after 10 10 a day yeah (laughs) and then after a while i was like wow i think i just need to just just be for a while. Like Mikey was saying, I found like the silver lining was spending time with my family that I would have normally never had. I spent like, um, my son is unemployable right now because of the pandemic. He's, he's doing music like crazy. And he's, um, his band is called Vincent and the noise. And we bounce things off each other and we spend a lot of time together during the day. And, um, you know, I wouldn't trade that for the world, but you know what we're going through, it's, I would have rather have been under different circumstances, you know? Yeah. I think yeah, we yeah. all would have, you yeah, know, for sure. when, you, when you see that death toll just keep rising in your country and you're like, how did we, how did we get here? You know, it's very, it's hard to digest. Plus there's been a lot of political turmoil in the United States over the year. 
So you combine the two, it's, it's a lot of work, a yeah. lot of stuff going on. Yeah, I can imagine. But it's great to see that both of you have been uh, keeping well and busy in this time. But I mean, it is one for celebration because the new Electric Century record is out. You're back with your second album and a graphic novel to coincide with everything. I mean, obviously, you guys have been working behind the scenes with this for so long. Are you just happy to get this out there finally now? Because there hadn't been any new release or anything from Electric Century in a while. Well, I think that the most important thing is that we got it out the way we wanted it to get out. Uh, we could have rushed this thing and we could have gone through different um, avenues of of uh, production, but we were able to get this done at our pace and really pick the songs that we wanted to do, you know, all the way through and tell the story in the album the way we wanted to tell it. And by that, we had to cut a lot of fat. And uh, Mikey's responsible for all of that. He's, uh, he's the decider in the band, you know? I really just leave, not so much the decider, but um, <laughs> when he tells me that a song is like, it fits and, it's, and we're ready to go, we start working on it, you know? And that's been a huge lift for me as, like, um, as a songwriter. You used, you, used to just, you used to just do it yourself. And I remember when we started working together, you were like, wow, like, you had never done it before, never. but it's cool. I've like, never I, collaborated I mean, with, before in my life. Yeah, with me, I work best in a team setting. You know what I mean? Like I always, obviously, like I'm a good team player. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, like, I feel like I'm really glad this came out now instead of when it was supposed to come out because I think it's maybe ten times better. You know, like we we this was going to come out in 2018, 2019, oh, wow. 2019, 2019, and it's like the version then compared to the version now it's like i mean it was a happy accident that we had the time to to really dig deep you know like there there's songs that we were working on to the wire you know like you know the day before this thing was being mastered we were finishing songs um even with the graphic novel you know like um you know i i like to say great things take time and i i think you know toby cypress is a phenomenal artist and um i was blown away by but what he was able to visually do in that graphic novel, it was a dream come true, really. You know, I was a fan, I was a fan of his artwork and, you know, getting to work with him on a project was, was really amazing for me. So yeah. So getting, getting all the time in the world, like that twilight zone episode, <laughs> all the time in the world, we, we had, we had all the time in the world to work on this. And I, I feel like we, we succeeded in what we were trying to set out to do, you know, I mean, like we're, there's a true freedom to this project. You know, we're not on a record label. Um, you know, it's kind of, we just have complete and total freedom, you know? So I think the end result is, is very telling of that. Nice. Yeah, because one of the things I wanted to talk about as well is like, I'm sure you guys have seen Electric Century being titled as a super group and all this but it's not just another band there's a whole new world inside of it whether it be the concept of creating music and mixing it with that kind of fiction and reality crossover what's the mindset for you guys going into a project like this because there's so many different elements of a novel and storytelling within kind of building up characters and stuff it, it, do you have to second guess and think a, a lot of extra material for it and and kind of structuring Yes. Yes, you do. do we, we had, we had like, we had like 30 songs, right? At some point, 30, More. 40, 30, 40, 40, 50 40 songs. songs. Yeah. Um, it's, it's one of those things like half, I think maybe half the album was done 
and then Z2 had reached out to me. And I never thought of this as a graphic novel at that point. Um, a, a couple of years ago, maybe like 2015, 2016, I had a sliver of an idea in my head where I was like, Maybe because I mean, I'm a huge gorillas and Blair fan and I kind of thought kind of what they do where they have a fictional band in a fictional world. And I was like, well, electric century can kind of be something like that. And, and I kind of tucked the idea away in my head. And then while we were making, while we were writing this album, Z2 reached out and they were like, Hey, and, and on the meeting, uh, Josh over there was like, Hey, you know what? I kind of see this project as he's like, I kind of see this as like a gorillas. And it was like, the hallway got real long and I was like, <laughs> I was like, I never told that to anybody. You know, I was yeah. like, I was like, you're right. Because here's the thing. When, when we started electric century, I had not when we started, when we released the first album, I had just gotten out of rehab and it, I didn't want to tour. You know what I mean? Which, which, you know, um, it's not what Dave probably expected or wanted. You know what I mean? It's not what at the time I, I really wanted to go on tour with this thing. You know what I mean? And, and, you know, we just, we got an AP cover, the album came out, everyone was waiting. And then I was like, I, I don't want to tour. So it was like, I kind of like, you know, I pulled the rug out from under the project in a bit, but it was for, I think it was for a noble cause because mm, I think so at too. the time I said, yeah, my like, yeah, Dave, Dave's the big, you know, the big reason I went to rehab, I was, uh, I flew in the Jersey to write songs with him and he was like, get in the car, I'm taking you to rehab. You know what <laughs> wow. I mean? So like. This, this project came at a very delicate time in my life, you know? So coming out of, coming out of rehab, I, you know, we had all this steam and I was like, I don't want to tour. I'm sorry. And Dave understood, you know what I mean? And I don't know if, I don't know where I would be if I didn't make that move, you know what I mean? And I'm glad I did, but it also, it turned this project into something cool and different. You know, it's not, it's not a machine or a part of a album cycle or a, marketing plan or uh, it's two friends making songs that we love you know and nobody telling us well you got to put the chorus like seven times you know what i mean like we were able we were able to just do it you know what i mean so it's 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 a cool it's a it's a passion project you know yeah well how was um yeah you mentioned then it's just like you two you two guys just writing the songs and putting together um how did working with ray come into all this was it just like a no-brainer for you guys or um if um if i i could say something about that yeah um of course the project for me when the songs were written at a very difficult time in my life um like probably the most difficult time in my entire life and they were a scattered mess and we sent them over to a couple producers uh one that had worked with us previously and a couple other guys and they kept getting back to me like I'm not sure about these songs. And I'd go back to Mikey and be like, nobody seems to want to work on these songs. And Mikey was like, I got a guy who could work on these songs. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, let's see what happens. And we actually sent, I sent over an idea. I sent over what I had accomplished on dope sick, um, which is off the record. And um, he sent the final version back to me. And I was like, okay yeah. <laughs> okay you know like and from that moment on um the clarity just came together because of ray he was like the gel for this entire project um uh, mikey and i are always bouncing ideas back and forth but ray took those ideas which are at for me was the first time in writing i i've released over 10 records and 
this was the first time in my life where I had to just kind of hand over my will to somebody and let them make sense of what I was doing because I wasn't so finished with a song that I knew exactly what I wanted to do with it. And um, Mikey, frankly, was coming back to me like, I love this chorus. I love this, this, but like, what are we going to do with this? What are we going to do with that? And it was like, we just kind of hit a wall, you know, um, production wise. And uh, when I flew out, I, fl- I only worked in the same room with Ray and Mikey on this project for three or four days. Uh-huh. I flew out to L.A., And what we got done in that amount of time was just insane, you know, and just to have those guys in the same room and for us to be able to do that before this pandemic broke out was a special kind of thing for us, you know? So all of those things really led to like the finished product being what it is, you know, definitely lucky lucky to find a guy who, who kind of knew what was, what to do with this stuff, you know? Mm. Um, what's funny is this album was done pandemic style, but it was way before the pandemic started. Like it was all, it's a matter, it was it, it was a matter of uh, those guys lived in LA yeah. and I live in New Jersey. Yeah. So that's a six hour plane ride. And um, there's nothing we really couldn't have gotten done. I was working at a studio in Paramus, New Jersey. And um, those guys were working out by Ray was working solo out by him. So Ray and Mikey would get together, do their stuff, send it back to me, me and Ryan at the studio in Paramus would do our stuff. We'd send it back. We go just went back and forth, but ultimately Ray really just took everything and just made an amalgamation of flavors out of this whole thing that I didn't expect. I really didn't. Yeah. He's, I, he's a real, I did, he's, I a, couldn't, he's a musical. Yeah, I couldn't see it. You know, I yeah. couldn't see the, through the tunnel and uh he he was huge huge yeah the, the moment the moment with ray for me is he he took the song alive which for me alive is one of i think one of the best songs dave's ever written um i remember he when you came to visit me at rehab you had it in a tape tape player wow i might have it was like a cassette <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you had an cassette recorder yeah and you're like listen to this and i was like dave that's that's the best song you've ever written and I think, yeah, you left it with me because they had let me keep it and listen to it. And that song is the soundtrack to when I was at that facility, you know what I mean? Where I was just like, and, and it's funny because the message behind it is to be alive, you know what I mean? And, and to be in the moment, be alive. And the version that you have is very, is a sped up acoustic version. It's supposed to be a pop song. <laughs> I, I want to release that. I was listening to it in the car the other day. It was like, I want to release, um, I want to release this, this demo of Alive because I was like, just important to me you know what oh, I mean? that's it's, cool it was a cool it was a cool piece of time but anyway we gave the bare bones demo to, to ray and a few days later ray's like check your email <laughs> that's wow. a hell of a hell of a turn and i'm like cool and i click it and i'm just like are you kidding me yeah right <laughs> expecting like, <laughs> expecting like a, a shabby mix and you come back and he's like oh, yeah. where did he get no, a choir but, from but, he got a choir from somewhere in two days but i was yeah but i was just like <laughs> it was a complete reimagining of the song um and i had never thought of it that way and it was very quiet and beautiful and then it got big when it needed to get big super beautiful and touching and i was just like wow and i think that song informed the rest of the album because i was like every song needs to make this jump i was like the jump from this demo to this recorded version i was like and i knew ray would do that anyway i didn't even need to be like this needs to be like, he's gonna do that anyway you know what i mean because it's what he does 
but um yeah alive informed the entire album I think. yeah um it, it set it set the bar it was like it's gotta it's gotta hang all these songs need to hang with this song yeah that's cool dave did you dave did you have any reservations like fa- like finally like handing over the producing or um you know i had a hundred percent reservations we had i had pretty much worked the same two guys d james goodwood and ryan ball were my producers and engineers for my entire career and i had never really worked with anyone else ever so i had this massive reservation about stepping outside my comfort zone but like i said only warranted i gave the song dope sick over to ray and when it came back to me i was like oh and I was sold. <laughs> I was just like, if you could hear what he, what it was originally, and then what he turned that into, or he turned Adeline into. Adeline was a major chord. Like I was going for this fifties thing. It was like, and just to hear what he came back with, I was like, yeah, I'm sold. I'm sold. This is our guy. This is our guy. I'm really happy to have him on the team. You know? Yeah. Um. It's it's funny. Like. You know, a lot of a lot of the graphic novel deals with uh, memories of childhood, nostalgia, rose-colored glasses of the past. Um, yes, repressed repressed memories, um, trauma, and that's I mean, yeah, trauma. But like the '80s, for me, gr- growing up in the, you know, the mid '80s was when I was probably super coherent. You know what I mean? So like, all that all that stuff resonates with me because I heard it at the doctor's office i heard it at the supermarket i heard it getting driven to school heard it on mtv you know it was the background to everything i did in life at the time so it's like there's a there's a lot of emotional and i know for dave too yeah we're we're around the same ballpark and age but there's a lot of emotional material that's placed on music from that era you know like you know new wave was invading pop radio at the time you know you had, you know, the Cure, New Order, the Smiths, um, In Excess, Aha, and it was all, it was on Z100 in New York, you know what I mean? And I would listen to it on the way to school. Yeah, oh, Joe Jackson, um, Night and Day, Joe Jackson, which is, I think, I think there's a, there's a emotional link between Electric Century and Joe Jackson. Did you ever, did you ever pick up on that, Dave? Man, I have not subconsciously i think I'm there's some Joe genesis Jackson in there fan, but i could see that there's, yeah there's genesis in there um phil collins uh peter gabriel stuff from when we were you know at we were we were sponges hmm. yeah that's the vibe that's the vibe i got when i've written it down by you i've got like 80s new wave but also sounds perfectly of 2021 that's i i kind of in my head was like what if you took this band and transported transported them in time to 2020 and gave them modern technology and then you, you know a producer that had seen the past you know 30 40 years of what had happened and like what would that sound like you know that was kind of like one of the ideas i had in my head where i was like i want i want it to be yeah i was like i want it to be 80 but i want it to not sound like an 80s album yeah. you know what yeah. I mean? well that's the that's the exact vibe i got from it um, yeah, and and the, it's beautiful to see like you two just having discussions about it and finding out new things from your own backgrounds of this record as well. Because as you said, it does sound that this is a huge passion project for you guys, and that these songs mean so much. That yeah, there might be a, a story and a kind of concept behind it, but it, it comes from a personal place. And going back to like working with Ray and stuff, I'm sure that 
the trust having someone like that on board and a different set of eyes but no you can rely on him and it's not just someone trying to come in from benefit from their own point of view and trying to push a chorus somewhere where it might not necessarily not necessarily be the best for it but it makes it a bit more catchier or whatever so with with electric city is it all that kind of not only the trust between you two but anyone you do work with having that connection as well yeah i mean dave sean simon and ray three of my best friends in the world you know and they they all worked on a piece of this project I couldn't ask for something, some you know, something to work out that cool. I yeah, didn't. I've never made a record with my best friend before this project. Yeah. You know, I was always solo, so this that was that was a lot of fun. When you get along, <laughs> a lot of yeah, Mikey we always, and I don't yeah, fight. We, <laughs> we don't no, argue about anything. No he, I mean, he'll be like. I really think we should try this and I'll, and uh, maybe I'll, we rub a little bit sometimes. So I'll be like, nah, I want to keep it this way. And he's like, yeah, that's it. That's, it. that's all. You know, <laughs> it's you know what shit. it is? <laughs> you know, this, this is where, where me and Dave clash is. Sometimes he hears something that's slightly more produced than he's used to. And he gets scared of it. That's what it is. <laughs> you'll hear something and you'll hear something and you're like, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're not used to going at wheelhouse. Yeah, it's true. I go to it from I go to it from time to time when I do stuff where I'm like, oh, I just want it to be and it's like that's the only time that sometimes you're like you get we call it demoitis. <laughs> right. Yes. You're like, I don't like that. You're like we got like, demo-itis I don't like that version. Hard. <laughs> yeah, for sure. man. I would it would happen to me, it would happen to me in MCR, you know, like we had these demo versions and then we record, and we're like, we can't beat that version. Like everyone does it, you know what I mean? And with, and with this, you know, some of the stuff Dave was attached to the versions he did, you know what I mean? And it's like, um, but it was cool that you trusted me. You know, I think, I think we got to where we wanted to be. Yeah. It's lovely to hear you guys talk so openly about this as well but we've mentioned the words um concept quite a few times and i think it's safe to say that both individually in your careers a lot of fans would kind of regard you guys of having that big history with concept records with different projects from sleep station to my chem and everything but like yeah. in, in that regard now it, it's something like that just second nature to you that you don't think about it too much that oh it's another concept record and the story that mm-hmm. is just kind of you, you, you get more excited about doing records like this where you can I- incorporate your own personal feelings, but you're not just writing a song about a girl who broke my heart or blah, blah, and A, Y, and B. It's, it's a whole collection of, of everything combined. I mean, I took on the role of seeing this record through the eyes of somebody who had um, an opioid addiction who was an alcoholic and addict um, of, of all types and stripes and shades. And I got a lot of inspiration from that, from a friend of mine who's in recovery and he speaks open to openly to me about it and the work that he's doing with helping other people. And I had a lot of questions for him and um, there's moments where all of those things really played a part in what I was writing, you know, but really, it was me that I was writing about, if yeah. that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, really, those things were internally going on for me. When you get to the end of the record, that's we didn't plan it to be that way. But I noticed that there was a couple songs, a few songs at the end of the record that kind of started to show the light at the end of the tunnel for me. And I believe that adding them right where they were at the end of the record really goes from a part in the record where like I begin the record by saying today I feel like dying to um, it's free to be okay. 
you know, and that's, that's, that was just kind of a natural thing when we were sequencing the record to put it together like that. But at no point in time did I write the record to go from here to here, to here, to here, to here. It just, that's how my life was unfolding, Yeah, you know, and, and that's how it unfolds on the record, you know? Yeah, so that's, that, that's super interesting because, yeah, I would have, yeah, I would have thought like you would have had it all planned out and storyboarded and all that way. But yeah, I wish that's that awesome. it's got to come from up here. It's got to <laughs> come from your heart. It's got to come from your heart. Yeah. Yeah. For, for me, it's like um, I only know how to do stuff that's veiled in fiction, really. With, as, I mean, especially music. I mean, I can't think of anything I've done that's really not a concept or like there's a world around it or. It's just, it's, it's how I was taught too, you know, like in MCR, um, that's what, you know, that was our wheelhouse, you know, it's what we love and it's what we did, you know, we did it really well. Um, and with this, it was like, it's instinctively it's muscle memory. That's where, you know, with electric century, it's like, that's where I go to, I go to the fiction, you know, I mean, I think I'm kind of a daydreamer too. Sometimes, sometimes in everyday life, I'm, living in fiction sometimes in my brain, you know, like everyone does it. Yeah. You fantasize, you daydream, you run through things. And it's like, it's, it's just natural for me. And I know Dave, you know, you have, you have nine concept albums, I think. <laughs> Something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> I put out an, a record last year with uh, sleep station. It was my first sleep station record of like 12 years or something like that. And the music was so not electric century that it was refreshing to go to it. Because when I write with Electric Century in mind, I, I write with a feeling I have. And the feeling was the one Mikey expressed about growing up in the 80s. I go to that feeling that I had. Um, there was a lot of trauma for me then. There was a lot of joy for me then. There was a lot of exploration for me then. There was a lot of these great things that happened. And these songs were the soundtrack of my life. So I go to that place and focus on it inside on how it, how I was feeling during that, how that music made me feel. And then I internalize that and then write accordingly. And that's something that I usually do when I'm doing a concept record is I really get into the vibe of it before I start to write almost kind of like an actor is doing method acting. That's kind of, that's how I dove into it. So you could see how like, you know, both records I did were completely, you know, miles apart musically, because when I sat down to do it, two different headspaces, you know, and um, I know what Mikey would like from this project and I know what he doesn't like. So there's plenty, he, he, he gets bombarded with, with uh, <laughs> lots of content, yeah, lots of content. <laughs> lots of content. <laughs> but I, but I'm specifically picking them out because I, I love think it, you though. might like it. <laughs> you know what I? Yeah, you'll you'll know what to send to me. But for for me, it's like um, you know, I, I've said this a billion trillion times in tons of interviews. But like my favorite stuff was concept oriented. Mm. You know, like um, all David Bowie's career. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Like smashing smashing pumpkins, Radiohead. You know, it's just like fictional worlds, you know, yeah. Yeah. dystopian landscape. And there's a uh, lot of tough cuts on this record. I noticed I went back yesterday and I was listening to some of the songs that didn't make it on the record that were conceptualized like this. And I thought, wow, we had to make some, we had to make some really tough choices to make this cohesive, you know? I'm, I'm glad voices got on there because that was supposed to be on for the night to control. What's what's funny about for the night to control is I feel like it is a concept album, but we never dug into it. I feel like it definitely tells a story that is personal to me and Dave, 
um, that we don't have to talk about it. People, you know, people pull their own meanings from things, but I know what the album's about and it's a concept and, you know, the, the, the album cover even speaks of the concept and um, we just never dug in. You know what I mean? We, we didn't have an opportunity we, to, dug, to dig in as much as we have now. Yeah, we didn't. And um, yeah, as far as the graphic novel goes, it's, it, it's, it's basically, it tells a lot about Atlantic city, New Jersey. Um, it was, a, it, I mean, it takes place primarily in this guy's brain in Atlantic city, New Jersey, but that's a place where uh, me and my brother and my family spent a lot of time in the late eighties, mid eighties, late eighties, early nineties. And it was kind of this neon CD neon. You, Dave, you spent some time in Atlantic city, but more than I want to remember. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it was, it was Atlantic city was, it was basically a place where they were trying to make it into Disneyland, but it wasn't, you know okay. what I mean? They were trying to, they were trying to Vegas. make it, they were trying to make it like a family theme park, yeah. but it was seedy and dangerous. But yeah, me, me and my brother had an awesome time just like walking on the boardwalk as teenagers and just like hanging out, growing up, talking. Um, you know, there was, there was lots of arcades there, I remember. For me, um, I grew up going down to Wildwood Crest. So that's a couple hours yeah less but it's got the biggest boardwalk in the world same thing and yeah, same um thing. we i also spent time in atlantic city asbury park some of the different areas and stuff like that and for me the happiest place i could possibly be is on the boards at the, on the beach it's comfort yeah it's comfort it's comfort so when i saw this graphic novel and stuff like that and then combined with the music that we were doing it was just like a flood of stuff just like why we yeah. washing over me yeah I'm very yeah, emotional I kinda about it to- yeah, the book that's, is fantastic. That's the thing. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you dug it. You know, because yeah. you you took a tremendous leap of faith. I was like, I got it. Like, I know, I know what it's about. I got it. Um, but yeah, it's like the the whole the whole concept of the story kind of plays into. Do you think that the past was better? Because you're probably wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you've you've waited so long to get here and now, and you're you're like, oh man, the good old days. It's like, maybe maybe it wasn't that great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that seems to be like an overall topic about everything that's going on in the world as well at the moment. It's like, if you look at all politics or all the leaders of the moment are like, remember when things were good? And then you're like, well, were they? Were they good? <laughs> maybe maybe they're just as good now, but no, I mean, like that was, that was a, a great coming of age for me and my brother was Atlantic city when we were kids yeah. and I know it was great, but, but I, I, I often think to myself, like the idea of the whole story came in my head where I was like, if you were to take me currently and shoot me back to 1987 in Atlantic city and have me wander around, what would I think? You know what I mean? I don't know. You know, that that's where, that's kind of where it came from. And it also came from, I had tried hypnotherapy when, um, when I got out of rehab oh, wow. and immediately after i did it i was like that was terrifying and i was like i would love to write a, a horror story about that and that's yeah. basically that was like <laughs> that was the beginning the kernel of the idea after i you know after i got out of that session i was like i did not oh, wow like I, I had no clue i tried hypnotherapy it was terrifying dude terrifying Oof. you know um i can imagine it was fun i'll never go there it was fun <laughs> it was fun it. it was strange yeah it was strange um but that's yeah this this the kernel of the idea came from that 
And I took that idea away for years and years and years. And then like, yeah, when after that call with Z2, I was like, I knew like the, the idea shot in my brain where I was like, cause I wanted this to be about New Jersey. You know, my youth is entrenched in Atlantic city. Yeah, also like I spent, we spent time in like Wildwood seaside as kids, but yeah, Atlantic city, Atlantic city was a big one. It was a big one for us. Um, I know it's, is there anything left there now? I haven't been there in like 20 years. I went there pre pandemic and they knocked the Trump tower down. That's been sitting oh, there and there's a shame. Yeah. <laughs> real, a shame. real kind of like um, <laughs> symbolic of everything that's been going on for the last four years. They finally yeah. just leveled the fucking place. Nice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it's a mess. They built a mall that didn't work. Uh, so Atlantic city is always, you could just reference Bruce Springsteen, Atlantic city. And that's, that'll tell you everything you need to know about Atlantic city. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, they were in, in the 80s, in the 80s and 90s. They were basically, it was like a square peg in a circle. They were like, yeah. no, this is for families. <laughs> no, look, there's animatronic characters everywhere. Like, you really have to come. And it was like, they were trying really hard, I remember. Yeah. It was like every, every, every casino had like a mini theme park. But Atlantic City, it was, it was a seedy place. You know what I mean? It was yeah, it like, was it, was, it was dodgy. It was dodgy. It was dark. I was always fascinated with them trying to make it that like, you know, make it something it wasn't. I was always fascinated yeah. with that concept. Yeah. But, but speaking of the New Jersey references as well, cause I, I noticed there's a lot of homage in everything connected with it to your hometowns. And one thing I wanted to talk about is as a music fan growing up from the other side of the world in, in the UK and Wales, over the years, there's been so much of a heritage musically from that place. If it was being from yourselves, like Mike Emmons Sleep Station, to bands like Thursday and the Gaslight Anthem, to mm -hmm. Bon Jovi and Bruce Springsteen, there seems to be something magic in the water, whatever genre it is. I was just wondering, like, if you have any memories of like when you first got that like love of music from your hometown, or, like, what about New Jersey gives that influence to so many massive acts? Let me let me just say the next the remainder of this time Dave can talk about Bruce Springsteen <laughs> if, if you give him the opportunity. <laughs> I will I will say I will say Bon Jovi Bruce Springsteen were the soundtrack of New Jersey in the eighties. Um, they were they were treasures to everyone that lived there, and it was it was a battle cry for you. You know, born in the USA, slippery when wet. Yeah. It was <laughs> like, you listen to those two. I mean, my, my brother's first big concert was Bruce Springsteen at giant stadium, you know? And it's like, um, I wanted to go, but it was like, I remember, um, my dad got two tickets and I was really young. So, you know, I was too young to go. My brother went and I remember he came home and just like listening, like it, it felt like he had gone on like a religious excursion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you saw Bruce Springsteen. He was, in person in front of you, you know, like the concept <laughs> yeah, to me was yeah. like, he seemed, he seemed mythical, you know what I mean? And to your, to your question, like, um, what is it about this place? Um, there are different regions of Jersey. You got the North where you're a suburb of New York city. So everybody, you can meet people from all different types of ethnicity, ethnicities and religions and eat their food. And, and we're all, busy and on top of each other. So there's a lot of stimulation in that aspect um, that you don't get um, from my experience of traveling the country as much as you do in that kind of microcosm, that, that, that area. And then once you hit the shore, 
back in the day, bands played from up north uh, Jersey and would tour on the weekend all the way down to um, Seaside Heights or Asbury Park or wherever. And they travel back. So the shore itself kind of got this really cool music vibe. Like if you go to Asbury Park, it's a total scene down there. And it's like a lot of great like rock bands come from that area. And it's just like a, it's a scene, you know, the punk scene down there is insane. You know, it's it's so thriving and and uh, you're inspired by all of these different sections where people are doing different things, you know, Um getting on this Bruce Springsteen was part of that thing where he, you know, traveled on the weekends all the way down the shore and played up and back and up and back. And I just can only imagine all of all the great bar bands, like, you know, that came out of that period of time walking into a club in Asbury park and you're in the stone pony and it only seats like what, I don't know, stands like what, three, 300 people. And then suddenly you're standing there seeing that that's cool. The town itself, it, it takes that in, you know, and it's it, it's kind of part of the environment. I mean, you can't go anywhere now on the Asbury Park boardwalk and not see a Bruce Springsteen shirt or saying or record for sale or people playing it on the boardwalk. It's part of your history. It's part of your environment is my point. Hmm. Yeah. Awesome. What were you going to say, Mikey? I, was, I didn't want to forget. I saw the strokes at the Stone Pony with your brother. That's right. You did. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to. Right before they started. That's right. It was, it was, it was when he ran makeout club and we went cause he got tickets and I remember going and it was like the strokes had just started to get big, but like, yeah, we got to see him at the stone pony. Yeah. Did you? I'll never forget. I'll never forget that show. Was that a reference to makeoutclub.com? Yeah. His, his brother like was one of the, he's one of the founders. Right. Yeah. And I, I helped it. I helped as well. Yeah, yeah. I used to. You have, did too. Yeah, I used mm-hmm. to have a profile on there as well. That's that's nuts. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> of course I did. One thing about As- one thing about Asbury Park for for me is that every time My Chemical Romance kind of went to a different league, we were kind of christened at the convention center. I think like when we were a lo- when we were a local band, we filled up that side room in the convention center and everybody was like, that was a moment for us. And then I remember we headlined the main room at the convention center and then we headlined the beach. Like every time my chem went to a bigger level, Asbury park, we were on the bigger, we were on the big, the bigger stage every time, but man, to be, you know, I think back to, you know, like one, one of the coolest, um, times in my life was the early two thousands, uh, in New Jersey going to shows the world was watching New Jersey. You know what I mean? Like you had Midtown saves the day Thursday. Um, you got all these national acts that went and, di- and went to all the Wayne firehouse shows, you know, because the, the promoters, their bomb shelter, like they knew they had, they had lots of connections. So they were able to get bands that had no business playing a VFW hall to play. Like I saw Jimmy world at the drive in so many huge acts, you know, jets to Brazil, uh, hot rod circuit, newfound glory, get up kids. Like they all played the Wayne firehouse, but like the big guns in New Jersey at the time, Thursday saves the day midtown. You know what mm. I mean? They were, they were, we were all inspired by was what was happening. Yeah. In that were, lifetime, were lifetime finished by then? They were, they were finished, but they were legends at the time. You oh, know what I mean? Dude. Like everybody was like, Oh my God, like lifetime, lifetime, like, 
they were such a big deal. Uh, another, that's another thing. There's a lot of Jersey pride for lifetime, but um, it was all, there was this stuff that came after lifetime that like started to get big, it, really big in New Jersey, like saves the day and Thursday mm-hmm. could sell out the firehouse in a second. You <laughs> know what I mean? Um, and then, and then when the firehouse got capped because people realized how many people they were fitting in the room, they had to do it by the books and they took it to this place called Chrome. Do you remember Chrome Dave? Mm, yes. So that became the new like Wayne firehouse. It was Chrome and yeah, like everybody kind of got graduated to that room and, you know, went on to national spotlights, you know, like dashboard confessional, um, all those Jersey bands I mentioned, uh, you know, newfound glory, like Jimmy world at the drive-in, like they all, they played that scene and it was like, you knew everyone from every, sh- we all went to every show. So we knew everybody and there's a great community. But like, yeah, every A&R guy in the world was kind of scoping out New Jersey. They all wanted, they were like, well, well, we got Thursday. What's next? You know what I mean? We got Midtown. What's next? We got Saves the Day. What's, they were, they were combing, you know, there was A&R guys at VFW halls with 10 people. You know what I mean? Like they were trying to find that next thing. So it was a really, it was really cool. And I'll always fondly remember that time in music there. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah, I thought, um, yeah, I thought you were going to say the same thing as the reason I would have given for the South Wales scene doing so well, which was. Yeah, I remember it with you. Yeah, which yeah. which is that we all wanted to get the fuck out of it. <laughs> we all just wanted to leave South Wales. But yours is so romantic. Yours is so romantic and beautiful about New Jersey. And there's me just like, I just want to get out of this fucking hellhole. <laughs> the, most, the most famous line about New Jersey is that it will rip the bones from your back. You know, like Springsteen says, you know. That it is a place where you do want to flee, but you somehow want to come back. You know, there's a magic to it. I mean, Mikey's Mikey's been gone forever. <laughs> I have. I'm, I last time last time I visited New Jersey was. I mean, I went for a funeral like maybe like five years, four years ago. But prior to that, it's been a very very long time. But no, I, I have a soft spot for New Jersey. You know, I, I'll always have a soft spot for New Jersey. Um, there's there's memories attached to almost everything you know almost anything there will will shoot me back somewhere you know what i mean especially like you know like what exit are you on the highway on the parkway you know what i mean like yeah. i was 148 i was 148 as a kid you know mm-hmm. stuff like that's really cool yeah it was it was amazing i mean dave still lives there but yeah, yeah. amazing amazing place yeah yeah no, I just I just remember as being a kid, you know, obviously from the other side of the world, just finding all these bands for the first time and be like, is everyone just from New Jersey? Because <laughs> at one point <laughs> it, was, it was just that kind of. Yeah, it was it was funny. Like this after after Thursday saves the day Midtown, the next wave was like us and senses fail armor for sleep. Like there was a, you know, that was like the new crop of Jersey bands and we would all play shows and tour you know we were all the baby bands at the time we were all duking it out for that one of four slot you know what i mean we're all like we just want to get on a national tour you know what i mean and it was like us and census fail spent so much time in those early days together you know what i mean um yeah, it's cool. Like time flies, man. Yo, time flies, man. It certainly does. Um, but yeah, like we mentioned the graphic novel now. Like after listening to, I've listened to the album twice today. Have you thought about doing, I don't know, like a cartoon, a movie, a musical even? Ooh. Of potentially. Ah. I've heard, I've heard rumblings of animation. Nice. Ooh. I don't want to ruin, I don't want to ruin them. Um, there's thing there's things being planned. I don't okay. want to ruin any of it, but 
I mean, it lends itself to that. Yeah, it does. Yeah, that type of thing. You know, it's a it's a neon fantasy landscape. You know what I mean? It's like yeah, we have a couple of visual ideas for songs and things like that that we're working on yeah. right now. That we have stuff coming. You know, we yeah, stuff we have stuff coming. coming for sure. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be exciting. It's not like. Like for the night to control, we kind of put that record out. We did some press and we did a bunch of things, but we never, it wasn't a long haul for us, you know? And no, I feel I like did, in this did, record, we did wacky shit. Yeah, we did wacky shit. But I mean, <laughs> we, I feel like this is going to be like, you know, a nice progression for us. We're going to release things in the future that are really cool and, you know, really work the record for a year or two, you know? With for the night to control, um, I've said, I've told this story before, but what I was trying to do with that is, I was trying to make people have to get the CD and listen to it. You know what I mean? Like I wanted them to hunt out a CD player and put it in. And that's, that's when we gave it away with Kerrang. You know, I was like, that was my, that was the thought I had in my head where I was like, I want somebody to find this dead technology. And that's how I want them to be. You know, you got to go get the physical, you know what I mean? I wanted to, I wanted to kind of give people a moment where you're enjoying physical media. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And going back to those early days and the inspirations and everything, I mean, one thing we do like to talk about on the podcast is not only find out people's stories, but just have a, a moment from them that where they couldn't believe that they'd gotten this far or something that they're just being blown away by in their careers. If it was kind of meeting a musical hero or just getting to do something that they never thought they would. I, I was wondering if the two of you could maybe share anything like that, that comes to mind when looking back over your individual careers. Wow. Like Mikey, I, I was there. I was there <laughs> at that reading, right? <laughs> I was literally. That's I, where. That's where I was going. Yeah. I. Well. Yeah. No. Go on. I'll let you. I'll let you both do it, and I'll tell you my side of that story. As okay. Well. So, as a teenager, I mean, I think, I think when I was about thirteen or fourteen, I discovered Enemy Magazine. Um, I was entrenched in Britpop, you know, obsessed with Blur and Oasis and 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 stuff to that, in that vein. But what I was always fascinated by was the festival posters in the back of the magazines. Um, you know, I, I, I would have done anything to go to these festivals because they were all my favorite bands and they never came to America. You know what I mean? They never came to America and, and specifically Reading and Leeds, mm. the big yellow poster, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, um, and I had, I had met a friend who had a friend that I still am, am really close with. His name's John. And he, he would kind of mail me mixtapes and, and t-shirts from, from overseas, you know, cause he knew I was big into British music, but he would go to these festivals and he'd be like, you know, he, he would email me and he'd be like, Oh, do you want a Muse t-shirt? Do you want a Travis t-shirt? You know what I mean? Like Travis, I would always oh, like, it's been a while since yep. I've heard the name Travis. <laughs> it's weird how they're, I'm not going to say they're forgotten cause that's, that's false, but yeah. they, I feel like they should, Oh, they had some very underrated. They had some massive songs. Yeah, absolutely. Why does it always, why does it always rain on me? It just came Um, out with a song last year called Nina's song. I love that band. And, um, I remember it was the only song in maybe I couldn't even tell you where I literally had to pull the car over because I had like started getting verklempt and I was listening to it and I was like, man, this guy could pen a tune, you know? What's crazy is how much they, you know, you're talking about New Jersey and Mikey and I can't understand what's in the water by you guys. <laughs> yeah, for real. All um, our favorite bands come from, <laughs> from, from yeah. your neighborhood. What's, what's, what's very interesting about Travis is they brought Coldplay over. 
Oh. Um, that's nuts. But the first time I heard Coldplay was opening for Travis at Irving Plaza. You know what I mean? Like It's the first time I ever heard of Coldplay. Um, yeah. I was like, who's this band? I remember it was like you had to go to Virgin Megastore and pay $40 for the CD because it wasn't out in America. And I remember Parachutes, you know, and, and Enemy was all on it. And they were like, this is the thing. You know what I mean? And I, I remember that's how I heard Coldplay. But anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself. The Reading Elites poster in the back. I would fantasize about it. All my favorite bands were really big on the top. And I would have, you know, there was 20 bands I wanted to see on each lineup. Fantasize, fantasize. And in my head, I was like, that's a bucket list for me is I want to close that thing. You know what I mean? I was like, I want our name to be at the very top. Like, I, I want to I play at nighttime in front of that ocean of people. You know what I mean? Because... To me, that was, for, for my musical journey, that was the most important, that was the, the holy land for me, you know what I mean? So I was like, I was like, I want to I wanna close writing in Leeds, you know what I mean? So we were able, very, you know, fortunate to be able to have that moment. 2011? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Yeah. Ten yeah. years ago. Yeah. Ten years we, ago. We had a bunch of, we had a, we had a great history with that festival though. You know, we scrapped it out on the side stage. And like, we, we played them both in one day. I remember, um, cause we had to do the VMAs. So we had to play Reading. We had to play Reading and Leeds the same day. That was, was that the second time we, I don't know. I can't remember. I, somebody, somebody will be able to fact check me, but, um, yeah. Like, and then I remember we did, we played with Pearl Jam and placebo that year. You did. And I watched, yeah, and I watched Indian style on the side of the stage. Oh, wow. I was sitting there and Eddie Vedder was five feet from me. And I was just like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, they 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 let me sit on the stage, which still one of my favorite moments. Um, but yeah, closing Reading Leeds is one of those moments where, you know, I don't even remember the first couple minutes. The adrenaline, the adrenaline does something different to your brain. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like you go in the fight or flight, and your hands get numb, and your body gets numb. It's like this out of body experience. But yeah, that's for me. That was a moment I'll never forget. You know, getting to, getting to see that poster with our name on it, getting to getting to perform mm. in front of all those people. Yeah, but but saying that, you didn't just close Reading and Leeds. You had Brian May from Queen come out and <laughs> perform with you. So that's As, you a know, whole thing in itself. Yeah, the thing is, Morgan, he's forgotten about that because that obviously happens all the time to uh, everybody, true. doesn't yeah. it? I am sick of Brian May turning up going, Sean, can I play a gig with you? But fuck off, Brian. Will you leave it? You've played with him. No, I remember. Here's my quick brief um, version of that. Um, <laughs> The blackout were also on the main stage that day. Um, I think we were second on, and obviously you guys were headlining. And we turned up early because we heard that you guys were actually sound checking yourselves. And we were like, that's strange. Like the headline band normally just gets their crew to do it and they don't turn up. So we were like, there's something, there must be something mm -hmm. going on here. So we turned up early and like we managed to get, like we were side the stage and, um, Luckily enough, I think security remembered us from when we'd played shows with you. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, we were told to just, oh, just stand by there and just wait there. And I remember seeing you all, all everybody in the band was just like, just check in and just looked super happy. And I was like, this is so, this is half past eight in the morning. There's something wrong here. This, this shouldn't be this happy. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I turned around, right? There's Brian May. Brian May's just walking up with a jacket on. He literally just tips his jacket off to his guy behind him who catches it. And he just, he's, uh, we're all like, 
what the fuck? That's Brian May. That's, this is insane. And you're all beaming. And I was like, I can't get over this. And then next minute, Brian May turns around and looks directly at me and my friends. Looks like he's looking past as the guitarist from my band is walking up. And he waves. And I was like, does Bob from our band know Brian May? But he's <laughs> never, ever told us. That would be insane. And I just remember... That's really funny. Yeah, Brian May was the only person I've ever... Um, kind of been starstruck by and I forgot to be able to pronounce my name to him. He was like, oh, I am Brian. And, yeah. I, and I went, <laughs> and he just walked <laughs> off and I went, oh, I forgot how to pronounce my name to a man. <laughs> what a legend, you know? I don't think I've met a nicer person in, in, in music. I think if I had to make a list, I think he's number one as nicest. He hung out in our backstage room with us and like the whole night, you know what I mean? Like, trying to psych us up. We were all scared. You know what I mean? We'd never, we never played something like that. So it was like, he was giving us pep talks all day. You know, you guys got this, you know, you guys, you got it. You know, like he was, he was very supportive, but like, I remember like, we were just like, do whatever you want. You know, he listened to the song. We're like, do whatever you want. He was just like, he's got, he's got the little, um, you know, he's got, he's got these coins that he plays with all that stuff you hear mm. all the legends and stuff he's got he's got his own currency that he plays with you know what i mean as a pick wow um but i remember like yeah we we left for encore and we came out and like the drum beat started and the laser lights shot up and i was just like it was cool you know what i mean uh it was i mean i'll, I'll never forget that i still like once a year i'll put on reading leads on youtube you know what mm -hmm. i mean yeah so oh, no, I. Blame you. and i'll be like <laughs> Yeah. Once a year I'll, I'll watch like clips of it or I'll, you know, sometimes like I'll, I'll put on clips of our, of, um, MCR concerts for my daughter. Oh, wow. Nice. And, uh, that's, but that's one I'll put on. I'll be like, check this out. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, look at that. And it's just like, so that's, it's cool to see it through her eyes. Nice. Yeah. That's cool. David, yeah. have you got any, um, moments where you've, uh, right, yeah, I, I Freddie, think Freddie Mercury. <laughs> <laughs> The craziest thing for me is actually I got a um, I got a small, really shitty, really dirty um, rehearsal space in Passaic, New Jersey, in this old turn of the century warehouse. And I shared the room with Pensy Prep um, and eventually a band called My Chemical Romance formed <laughs> and they took over the rehearsal space with us. So we had it half the day. They had it half the day. And I met Gerard. I met Mikey. And um, I watched those guys from what your second show. And um, there was no one there. Uh, you played our <laughs> you played our second show. Yeah. You played our second. And there was show. no one there. Um, <laughs> no one. And uh, no one. We. I continued to play shows with them, and they continued to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And it gave me a realization too. Like at the time in my career, I was like, "Wow, I have no scene." You know, there's no scene for what I'm doing, so I can't latch into the scene and bring my music to it and kind of have that, you know, develop and grow within it. But watching my chem, there was a scene for this. There was hungry for this music, you know, and I so I watched them go from playing skate parks with me and uh, where nobody was there, <laughs> where nobody was there. Yeah, and I watched them 
rehearse and we filmed your first video. My brother directed your first video. My other brother's in the video. It all took place in our rehearsal room that we shared in Passaic, New Jersey. And then I think the biggest aha moment for me was one day I'm at Madison Square Garden and I was on the train and this woman, uh, young girls was, was there. And I could tell she was probably going to the show. And I was like, are you going to the show? She was like, yeah. And we got to talking and I was like, they're my friends. And I told everybody, I was like, I'm going to see my friends. They're playing Madison Square Garden, <laughs> you know? And it's so for me to watch this band go from, you know, hustling because nobody hustled like they did. That's a fact. I've never seen anybody hustle as hard as they did. Thank you. Um, and to, to watch them go from that to sitting there, sitting back, watching them on the, at Madison Square Garden was probably one of the coolest things I've, I've experienced. One of the cool things for me is um, Madison Square Garden was um, kind of where I got the idea that I wanted to be in a band. Um, me and my brother had gone to see the Smashing Pumpkins there during the Melancholy Tour. And I'd seen them the night previous and I'm like, Gerard, you have to come with me because he was busy going to school and working full time. So he was tired of, you know, he, he, last thing he wanted to do that night was go to a show. You know what I mean? He was like, oh, I'm beat. I've been, I've been going to school. And, but I was like, trust me, you're going to want to go to this. Like I saw them last night. It changed my life. I want you to see it. You know? So we went and we saw, it was like mid September, 1996. Yeah. Like we were watching them play and he, I could tell he was as blown away as I was, you know, the night previous and currently. And, and I just nudged him. I'm like, this is what I want to do for a living. And he was like, he was like, you know, I was like, this is what we're going to do for a living. And he's like, you're right. You know what I mean? I was like, awesome. It's like, this is, yeah, it was just like, that was a, that was like the big bang moment for me was Madison square garden where I was like, this is just all of it. You know, the big, the big deal, the mm. lights, the theatrics, the whole, the whole crowd. Think how many bands, right, and people and stuff that has come out, like, <laughs> from your band, from you in that moment thinking, oh, I want to do this now, right? Like, you changed my band's trajectory. You completely changed my band's trajectory. So imagine how many bands you've inspired cool. and stuff. It's all come from that moment. It's fucking wow. super cool. Yeah. yeah it's super unbelievable. Cool. It makes you, that, that's the thing. I'm starting to meet people now who... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching these younger bands and they're huge. And they're like, I did this because of your band. You know what I mean? And I'm watching, it's the circle of life. Mm. You know what I mean? I saw you guys when they, when they came back and they did the show in LA, I was there. I was with my daughter. Oh, I was with my, now. yeah, I was with my daughter who was very sick. We believe she probably had COVID at the time. We didn't know it. She's oh, wow. a huge MCR fan. So I had a jet after the show and I couldn't hang out behind stage, but who was there? Phoebe Bridgers was there. Huge fan. The 19 <laughs> guys from the 1975 are there. Huge fans. I mean, these are people I'm looking up to right now as like being as good as it gets as in the moment artists. And they grew up, they grew up on these guys. It's crazy. Yeah, it's awesome. wild. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> it's really wild. Yeah, but that's, that, I think that's part of it. It's like, because we kind of, like my old band, like when we were doing okay in the UK scene or whatever, like we kind of, you guys like came up just before us and then like, <laughs> like <laughs> there's a part of me then that was like, we were ever on the same level. We were never on the same level, right? But It was fun. But it was yeah, so fun. Like you guys came up and I literally just watched you guys fucking grow and blow it away. And from the get-go, I think I, the first guy, time I met you guys was probably um, in 2004, I think. Um, 
from day one you guys were absolutely the nicest guys and there was never any change in anyone and i didn't see yeah i didn't see anybody becoming a dick or any of that so um Nah, they're the same. They're the same guys that were in the rehearsal room yeah. in Passaic, New Jersey. There's really no difference from from the uh, nah. <laughs> Just the really no difference. <laughs> it's like literally the same Mikey I knew then. <laughs> There's a bit one ounce of a change from your fame. Um, I hope you know. We, that. Thank you, thank you. No, but I mean, we we always did our best to. I mean, we, it, it honestly came natural natural to us. Um, luckily, but we always wanted to stay humble. You know what I mean? Mm. We're not better than anyone else. Well, yeah, you guys made us. Maybe we're, yeah. You made us be better people because um, after we did, we did that, we did a run with you in the UK. We literally finished that day and flew to Australia the next day. And we got to our gig in Sydney and you guys had sent us bottles of champagne. And we were like, what the fuck is this? Like, we'd never ever experienced any, anybody doing that. anything like that. So we were like, surely they've sent, they've sent this to the wrong people. They didn't need to come to us. Surely this is fucking mental. But like, it literally made us, because like, we were just getting slightly, well, I was probably getting slightly too big for my boots. But then that moment happened and I went, well, if they can take the time to send us them, I should be nicer. So yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's mad how much, yeah, influence you guys have had on hmm. everything that's happening. So oh, yeah, but yeah, but both of you, like Dave hmm. with sleep station and stuff as well, like it's all it's all been it's influential and yeah. um it's all the ripple I guess, effect. Yeah, thank from you. yeah, from everybody um who listens to music, thank you guys. <laughs> yeah. Because honestly, you. you have fucking done so much for our world and mm. I probably wouldn't have this podcast I wouldn't have this podcast now. I don't think <laughs> if, it if it wasn't for you guys. So Yeah, so thanks yeah, guys. Thank, thank, you awesome. thank you very much. Um I think one of the craziest things about what you guys were just talking about is my two heroes are Bruce Springsteen and Brian Wilson. And I had an opportunity to meet both guys in a personal setting. And um, a friend of mine called me up and said, do you want to come with me? I'm going to work out with Bruce today and we're going to hang out. And, you know, and I was like, no, <laughs> I was like, I actually don't want to meet that guy. Yeah. I don't <laughs> want to ruin it. I yeah. don't want to ruin it. And I could have paid a couple extra bucks to go see Brian um, when he performed, he did the Pet Sounds tour recently, a few years ago. And it was the same thing. I was like, I don't want to, I just don't want to meet this guy and ruin my perception of what yeah, yeah. I think he is. Cause he's up here, you know? And if I brought him down to here, it would just kill my life. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's true. But I, just, I, 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 I guess to. I've said a couple of times on this podcast, I've been lucky enough that I've probably met the majority of my musical heroes now and I've been quite lucky they've all been nice. There hasn't been there hasn't been a major dick, which I guess I'm probably a little bit sad about as well. Cause <laughs> Rock and roll and all that, really, you think? Yeah, I, I remember a story that... I remember a story of the bassist from Gallows saw Kerry King at Slayer. I went up to him and was like, hi, Kerry King. And Kerry King said, out of my way, pussy. And I was like, that's, 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 that's the response I want from someone. Just one person. I don't know who it is, but they so probably help if they're in some extreme metal band as well. Yeah, yeah. you guys should meet Ryan Adams one day. <laughs> <laughs> what's, um, what's interesting is I, I had a similar, like Liam Gallagher is one of my heroes. And I was always like, I don't want to meet a man like uh, Oasis is too important to me. And the press makes him look like he's this and that. And honestly, if I had a list of 
if I had a list of nicest people in music, I had Brian May at number one, Liam Gallagher's number two. Wow. wow. You, uh, you've you are sh- you've you are ruined his credit now. Um, you've ruined his street credit. You are shattering <laughs> entire universes right now. <laughs> he, he, he gave me one of my favorite moments ever. Like I remember I was at, I was at, um, I remember BDI was on a festival tour that we were on and, uh, I was waiting at the ticket counter for something. And, uh, one of our security dudes, Maddie was like, taps me on the shoulder and he's pointing behind him. And I turn around, Liam Gallagher standing there. Wow. And he looked and he looks at me and he goes, and I'm just like, Oh, you know, he gave me like a head nod. And then I'm like, what do I do? And then we just started talking, you know, he's like, my son loves you guys. He's like, I love that song. Na na. And he was going like this. I remember. And he's like, and I was like, dude, you're, you know, I, I got to tell him, I was like, you're, you're one of my heroes. You know what I mean? And we had a cool moment and I sat near him on the plane. It was, that was one of those times where I was like, I don't want to meet my hero. I don't want to meet my hero. And it was like, I was like pleasantly surprised. I had tremendous regrets. <laughs> <laughs> How good would Liam Gallagher be singing Na 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 though? I, like his voice would be we perfect. Thought, we, his voice would be. We thought about it. That's perfect. Imagine, imagine if Oasis got back together, what would happen? Oh, there'd be chaos. Is there a venue? I, is there a venue big enough to house that show? They'd have to do multiple stadiums or fields over here. I think. I think it would be like uh, a month. Yeah, a month at one. Yeah, yeah. Li- literally yeah. like the Michael Jackson residency he had before he um, passed away. They'd have to do like fifty nights in, in Wembley Stadium or something. I'd imagine. I'd imagine they'd probably try and recreate Nebworth again and just do loads yeah, of Nebworths. True. That's true. Really? Yeah, they're just they're bigger. They're to me that would be the biggest reunion that's possible i think currently what's crazy that's, is in my mind i've seen how like my son you know and his band and all the these young kids are just getting into oasis like crazy mm. mm-hmm. yeah when it's that good it's when it's that good back, it carries, like you know? even though it yeah, never really went good. away you know it's crazy they're timeless that's why they're oasis is timeless it's anyone from any era can appreciate what they did yes yeah I, that's true i, I I also think with his with Liam's kind of like brash character, like he probably fits in quite well right now with kind of what the kids are going to want growing up. Because if you look at like everything that's popular now, like Six Nine and Cardi B and all that, it's all like massive bombastic personalities. And when you think about it, he Liam was, Gallagher yeah. is, is literally the king of. Um, potentially being a dickhead to everybody so um yeah i think that's yeah. what people people are probably finding and liking about him is his confidence and swagger i guess he and and it's funny because the stuff that he tweets is just brilliant and you know he doesn't think twice you know he just types it and sends it you know you know that you know you know liam's not looking at his twitter going should i yeah you know he goes yeah, there's and nothing. He doesn't think twice. Yeah, there's nothing in Liam's drafts whatsoever <laughs> because it's all out there. It's just straight up. <laughs> that's, that's his stream of conscious, and he's he's brilliant. You know, yeah. he tweeted the other day about um, the royal family saying, um, "I don't think families should be airing out <laughs> their arguments." And I was like, "I don't know if he's serious." Like, I literally was like. He's got to realise he's been a massive... Like, has he done that as a joke? I just can't work it out because you never know with him. I can't tell. You never know. Yeah, I can't tell if he's genius level trolling 
or sometimes you never know or sometimes <laughs> yeah. he's just fucking mental and throws things out there yeah that's it's, true man. it's a little from column a a little from <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely definitely well yeah. guys this conversation has been absolutely wonderful just one more um I love question before you. you go obviously now with the album being now you, you've said that there might be a little bit of animation stuff to look forward to but is there mm. anything else we can expect from electric century coming up is there anything we should be keeping an eye out for yeah, I mean, we, we have stuff coming. It's just like we don't want to we don't want to kind of spoil some of the, the fun that we have. So just stay tuned, you know, stay tuned to the like we have some we have some social media accounts. You know, there's the Instagram, there's the Twitter. Um, we kind of communicate through that mostly. And, you know, my personal and Dave's personal, um, you know, just keep your eyes peeled to those. And we got some fun stuff planned. But, yeah, we're going to we're going to push this album for, you know, there's no this isn't a traditional album cycle. So we're just going to keep going with it. You know, we're just going to. Just have fun with it. That's what we're going to do. I'm having a blast. Nice. Awesome. Well, yeah, I I really, really hope that you guys get to bring it over here and, um, yeah, play some shows over here. And we would, I would love that, yeah. yeah. We would love to do one of these in the flesh as well, yes. if possible. Yes, so that would yeah. be, that would be that'd fantastic. Be amazing. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah, thank yeah, you thank so you much so, for taking so, the time. Thank you so much for, yeah. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so us. much. This is awesome. It's been no, uh, oh, thank, absolutely Thank you guys pleasure. for the honesty, um, for the music, and for the inspiration over the years. Honestly, it doesn't go unnoticed, so please don't think it does. Um, you guys are fucking thank superstars. Thank you, Sean. Thank you. And Morgan, nice to meet you, Morgan. You too. You too. Nice to meet you both. I'd like to, I'd like to both, uh, say before getting off that I listened to your podcast. Oh, I'm sorry. And, uh, there, there was, um, there was a moment there. He said Chris Caraba was like at least the top three best looking guy to come on the show. Well, yeah, well, oh, I did. yeah. Um, I would like to present Mikey Way, maybe top five. <laughs> Chris, yeah. Chris is a yeah. Chris yeah. is a sharp looking. He's a sharp looking he guy, is, isn't he? I love. <laughs> I love it. I love the beard he has. I think it works really well. Like I, I, I told him recently. I question him about that because he from? literally <laughs> he literally went from bald faced child to uh, <laughs> yeah. bare, bare faced man. And um, yeah, I told I I told him recently. I was like, "What you got going on right now?" I was like, "Lean in because it's amazing." You know, like I love that beard. I just it's had, super good. It yeah, is. I just <laughs> had to, I had to ask him if there were any um, photos of him with a patchy beard because I'm 37. Oh, now, you right? mean? Yeah, I'm 37. Seven, right? Don't um, worry. <laughs> it grows there and nowhere here and nowhere here, right? Um, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. So I was like, Chris, there's no photos of you like in between. One day you didn't have a beard and next day you had a beard. How is this? And he was like, I shave three times a day. And I was like, <laughs> the world's hairiest man. Yeah. But yeah. Um, oh, thank you for checking it out, Dave. That yeah, really, really means the world to thank us. Thank you guys um, for everything. No, thank no, you. Thank, thank you thank so you much. Guys. And um, yeah, let's speak soon. Yeah. Absolutely fantastic chat. Yes. Thank you very much to Mikey and David for giving us your time. It was so, so, so fucking good to reconnect with Mikey. And um, I cannot wait. Cannot wait until we get to hang out in the future and uh, have a bloody laugh. So hopefully the next time we see them will either be Electric Century shows or my chem shows, hopefully. Um, either way, I'm very, very much looking forward to both and I can't wait to see the boys. So thank you very much to David and Mikey for giving us your time. It was just, mm. I, I loved it. It's one of my favorite ones so far, I yeah, think. It was um, just a lovely, wholesome experience. Like, as you said, I think this episode is, is very special and it'll connect with a lot of people. But 
it was just honestly so nice to see them open up about stuff to each other with us like they didn't hide anything they were very open about some of their personal struggles and all the mad experiences they've both individually had in their separate bands and whatnot and yeah it, it was just it was just really nice to sit down with the both of them and pick their brains about everything um god they're the kings of concept records i tell you that is such a unique look into to making albums but yeah thank you so much again to mikey and dave for coming on um as i mentioned earlier electric centuries second and brand new self-titled studio album is available to stream and purchase wherever you get records from right now and the graphic novel is available too you can pick that up in all good comic and bookshops or if you need some more direct links just head over to electriccentury.com um i wouldn't mind a copy of the graphic novel myself because the looks really really nice so i might order one straight after this oh nice mm. yes good and then we can get a sign down when we go see them <laughs> so that'd be lovely wouldn't it yeah yes um yeah what a great chat what a great time reminiscing over things that we got to do together yeah but that's the thing sean as well because it's literally like 10 years ago that you did that tour with my chem supporting them with a blackout that's bonkers mm. it? 10 years like back in my day yeah it was <laughs> Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? And that's the thing. Like, I, th- I genuinely believed. Uh, well, I've got brown hair now. I've got brown hair and a mullet, which is completely different to blonde hair and a fringe. So um, I wasn't expecting Mikey to even remember the blackout, let alone remember, you know, us hanging out with Johnny Phillips at places. Like, so it's just, <laughs> it's just absolutely bonkers to me. So again, thank you to all those people. Thank you to Mikey Way. Thank you to um, David Debiak. Thank you to Ailey Connolly. Um, thank you for Johnny Phillips to introducing me to them many, years and years yeah, ago. Many so. moons ago, yeah. I, I remember going to those shows as well. So this is a cool full circle moment for me. But the lovely, lovely chat. Um, with that being said, if you thought this conversation was probably one of the best we've ever done let us know on our social media pages at please do Pod. if you think it's one of the worst <laughs> we've ever done let us know just send us if a you message think it's mediocre do you know what just let us know yeah. what you think about it right yeah. Go to at Pod on Twitter and Instagram and let us know whether you liked it or you hated it or you didn't care or you <laughs> haven't bothered listening to it, which is weird because if you now reply into us yeah. saying, I, I didn't bother listening to it, it means you've somehow heard this bit, which is after the best bit of this episode. So if you listen to this bit and you haven't listened to the interview, that's strange. But tell you what, let us know at Pod on Instagram. I don't know how that would happen, but fair play to someone if it did. But yeah, just send us a message because we like it anyway. And let us know who you'd like us to have on the podcast in the future. We're always up for suggestions and uh, making mad dreams like this happen. If this is your first time listening to us, please go back through our back catalogue and pick some of the other wonderful conversations we've done. Hit subscribe wherever you're listening. And most importantly... To win our hearts, love, and affection for the rest of your lives, if you head over to patreon.com forward slash sapnin, you get all of that, as well as being included in the best community of all time, which is our Sapfan Patreon group, and get loads of bonuses. Yes, and see some behind-the-scenes stuff, get um, bonus interviews, photos, Q&As, um, chats on Zoom or Skype. Yeah, there's loads of options. So, yeah, just check out patreon.com forward slash And as Morgan said, 
This is our 122nd episode now, so we've done 121 other episodes. I bet you there's at least three other people that we've done that you like, you know of. And if you haven't, go and check out people you don't know, mm. because some of their stories are super, super interesting. So, yeah, let us know um, what's been your favourite episode so far as well. So, again, at Sapling Pod everywhere. Yes, and speaking of our wonderful community that we love very, 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 very much because they help us keep this thing going each and every week, um, we've got some names we would like to thank, Sean. So if you head over to the description of this episode, there's a fucking lot of them in there, right? <laughs> there's like so there's many names, I've lost count. So you can have a little read, but also Sean is going to give a massive, gigantic shout out to the elite members of our Sapling Podcast Patreon community. Sometimes they change their names to funny things. Um, we'll find out what they've done now. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Thank you very much to Kylie Wheeler, Mayumi Leboe, Janelle Caston, Mitch Perry, Emma Barber, Dilly Grimwood, Nathan Croshaw, Kelly Young, Paul Hirschfield, Scooby Drew Styles, Mikey McDonald's McMuffin Buns. Thank you very much, Mikey. Liam Connolly, Kelly Ewan, Kat Besson, Sammy G, Amadine Urbano, Shani Meyer Boxel Anderson, Tony Michael, Sarah James, Justin Dunn, Dana Lasnova, Amy Campion, the aforementioned Johnny Phillips, Scott Jones, Dan Gies, TJ, I'm back, you sexy mofos, Ambler Shattuck, Simon Amos, Kate Stevenson, Jenny Munster, Inad, oh no, that's Danny Eaton backwards. I see what he's done. Inad Note. <laughs> Clever. Oh, his name doesn't look too bad back. It looks Welsh. Anyway, uh, thank you very much to Lucy Diaz, Emily Senegals, Martina McManus, not a tennis player, Erin Howard, Becky Andy, John and Emma, that's two separate people, Jenny Robertson, Jason Heredia, Louis Cook, Marcy Jacobson, Caroline Robinson, Kelly Cannon, Kevin Clark, Carl Pendbury, Livy Cropper, Stuart McNaught, James McNaught, Tallulah Grant, Lydia Henderson, Sharifa Wadali, Craig Harris, Keris Andrews, 
Ollie Say Something Naughty here, Amesbury, Chris Howard, Jacob Turner, Josh, what do you call a magician who loses his magic? Ian. Crisp. What do you call a magician who loses his magic? Ian. Crisp. Okay. Uh, thank you very much. Alice Wood, Adam, King of the Goths, Parslow, and by no means least the mighty Connor Lewins. Thank you very, very much to all those people, their family and their friends. May death come quickly to their enemies. Wow, that's a, <laughs> that's a weird one. I didn't know where you were going with that what? then. I was like, okay, cool. It's good though, isn't it? It is, it good. is good though. It is good. But you know, I, it, as long as none of those, as long as none of those people's enemies are my family, um, yeah. I stand by what I just said. There, wow, okay. So, um, that's a... That's yes. a big concept. If you'd to like me in. to wish death on your enemies, <laughs> check out patreon.com forward slash sapmen, where I will. Change your name to your enemy's name and I'll shout them out. Tell them. No, no, this is going to turn into. Yeah. It'll do what it. What was happening podcast? It started out quite positive for the 121 episodes and then Sean started um, naming people that he want, uh, the, the Patreon members wanted dead. And it turned into like a giant thing. Yeah, that's awful. Wow. Um, yeah, that's it's gone. Yeah, this has gone very dark. That. Yeah, yeah. Please it don't. Gone very dark. Please, please don't tell us to kill your enemies but thank you very much to everyone for listening everyone and our patreon community for being top superstars and for anyone getting this far because we do appreciate it and every second of your listening helps is that a sentence i'll go with it anyway but before we wrap things up sean um you're still in a band called raiders band uk um, tell us about well, it's that called quickly. Raiders it is but it's called Raiders yeah, but it is why, but why you I, find it everywhere at Raiders Band UK yeah that's why I say Raiders Band UK because if anyone types Raiders Band Raiders Band UK that comes up quicker yeah well we didn't call we didn't call them electric century band america do we so <laughs> they call, we called raiders <laughs> but on socials and everything at raiders band uk at raiders uk on the listening stuff mm. the streaming mm-hmm. services and that mm-hmm. we got four songs up please give them a listen um because at the moment it feels like we have wasted our time putting out those three songs that we put out last year when the pandemic wait, happened so wait, um, wait, would you, please give them a listen would you say you've wasted away because this one of your songs I'm not saying another <laughs> fucking thing <laughs> well we'll be back next week next Friday you and every be. Friday with a very special guest and next week's episode is very it takes a trip down memory lane for the two of us so I'm excited oh, I for just it realized, yeah and that'll be episode one two three it will huh? nice one. Oh, I also said I wasn't going to talk for the rest of this episode so. <laughs> I caught you out fuck. <laughs> fuck you Mug. <laughs> anyway let's fucking go yes love lovely, lovely, what wow fucking what, what? <laughs> you drunk you bro it's quarter past tw- it's, it's 25 past 12 and you're steaming already what's this oh it's been a long week but love every single person in the world that is not racist do you oh yeah 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 I don't want yeah, to go. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, I hate everybody who's racist, so there you go. That's cool. Yeah, I love everybody who's not racist. Oh. Anyway, let's go. Sapnit! Sapnit! Sexism's the same, mind. I feel the same way about that. What's wrong with people, man?
You're listening to Sapling Podcast with Sean Smith and Morgan Richards. Thank you very much for downloading this podcast or streaming it or I don't I don't know what else you do with podcasts. Um, thank you very much. <laughs>